Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 134. Welcome back, Adam Antimaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and thank you so much for tuning in today. First and foremost, a big shout-out goes out to the Canadian men's national soccer team, who are on the verge of qualifying for the World Cup for the first time since 1986. Not only that, they are sitting at the top spot in the CONCACAF North American standings right now. They are so far undefeated and coming off a huge week where they played three games and had three wins, including a massive 2-0 victory over the USA on the weekend. So all the love going out to the national team right now. They so deserve it after years and years of disappointment. I never actually thought this would happen even in my lifetime. But now our World Cup dreams are, are within reach. You can taste it. And shifting into today's episode, we kind of continue with a Canadiana theme because what has become a series of episodes featuring Canada's all-time best-selling bands continues this week as we have keyboardist Kevin Young from the band Moist right here on the Adamantium podcast. And Moist are currently celebrating their fifth studio album that was released on January 14th, 2022. It's called End of the Ocean. It's been eight long years since their last album was released in 2014. And that was 15 years after their third album was released in 1999. So it's really great to hear some new Moist music again. And it was really great to get the opportunity to talk to Kevin uh, about the new album, about Moist getting back together and back in the studio over the last 10 years or so. Among many other topics, it was really easy to talk to Kevin, uh, even over Zoom. We did this episode virtually because of the pandemic, obviously, but that didn't really matter. Like I said, it was really easy to speak to Kevin. Uh, he's a great conversationalist, especially when it comes to music or photography or just any type of art in general. And as a longtime fan of Moist, this was just a lot of fun. So let's do the Adamantium Recommend segment, which is most useful for those that are new to the band. If you're hearing Moist for the first time today or just not as familiar, here are five of my favorite songs that you could listen to before or after the interview. So going back to their very first album, Silver, from 1994, I recommend the song Push and the song Silver. And then from their 1996 album, Creature, I recommend the song Resurrection and the song Tangerine. And then skipping forward to their comeback album in 2014, the album's called Glory Under Dangerous Skies, I recommend the song Black Roses. All right, and if you're a Moist fan that is tuning into this episode, obviously you've heard all those songs, and I do want to thank you for tuning in today. Chances are we've had several other bands that you know and love on this podcast before, and definitely many more to come. So we would love for you to hit that subscribe button on whichever podcast network you choose to get your podcasts. If you're feeling extra generous, you can leave us a five-star rating and review. And you can follow the Adamantium podcast on social media. We are on Instagram at the Adamantium, on Facebook at the Adamantium podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. And with all that malarkey out of the way, we can get into today's episode with Kevin Young of Moist right here on episode number 134 of the Adamantium podcast. Have a great week, everyone. If you're here with me in Toronto, watch out for that snow dump that is apparently on the way. Stay safe, be nice to your neighbor, and we will see you back here again next week. Hey there, Kevin. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? 
Good. I'm, I'm good too, man. You in Toronto? I am in Toronto. Okay. What about you? You're in Toronto. What about you? I'm at Young and Eglinton. Nice. So okay. construction central. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've been dealing with this, uh, all this snow okay? Yeah, actually. So I live on a little wiggly street. Do you know where the, uh, the Parkdale liquor store used to be? Yeah, okay. okay. Okay, so, well, and when I say used to be, it was literally being torn down a few days ago. Um, I live on this little wiggly street that has not seen a plow since that happened. No. No, I was out there with my neighbors a couple nights or the night after it snowed, and we literally had to clear a section of street just to get uh, some of the neighbors' cars out. Oh, yeah. Like, it was, I was, I was saying to people, I think... Like I've lived in Toronto my whole life, and I think that is the most snow I've seen in a single day in my entire life on on Monday. And there was, there was people I had to go over to my mom's house and and shovel her out. And there was some of the the people on the street like we're trying to get their car out. It was like up to their bumper. I'm like, you're not going anywhere today. Like not not. No, no, no. It was it was a matter of give it up. You're not yeah. going anywhere. Just hunker down. Yeah. It's a snow day. Yeah. You know what? I never got a snow day as a kid. <laughs> Didn't you? No, never, never. I was expecting, I was knee deep walking to school when I was a kid. And so. Yeah, we very rarely got snow days, but when we did, it was a, it was a big thing. But you know, I'm, I'm, you're, you're what, in your thirties? Yeah. Yeah. 33. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm 55. So I, uh, I just, uh, you know, that was back when, you know, it snowed every day in the summer and it was uphill to school and uphill all the way back. Uphill, uphill both ways. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, man, thanks for uh thanks for hopping on and doing the podcast. My pleasure. My yeah, pleasure. I'm personally what's that? I, I said I'm personally a big fan of the band. So um, so this is really cool. Excellent, excellent. Um, and been a big fan for a long time. I always say I, I was born probably two years, uh, 10 years too late. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I've been a fan of Moist since I was a kid. Um, I went to see you guys on the last um, on the last tour in 2014, I want to say it was. Right. And uh, yeah, so anyways, congrats on the, the newest album, End of the Ocean. So that's probably, uh, it came out, what, a week ago, two weeks ago? just about yeah yeah so uh i think that's probably a good place to start so why don't we talk about the new album and um i mean one of the most interesting about things about this album is it does kind of have this reoccurring theme um of human consumption um so i wanted to ask first pick your brain was this something that was this an issue that was on the whole band's mind was this something that was on all your minds leading up to the creation of the album I think peripherally it was, I think as, and I, I think it's be something it becomes something that's only deepened over the last couple of years mm-hmm. uh, as we're sitting in our homes, consuming yeah. everything in sight. Right. Uh, there are a lot of, a lot of distractions. Mm-hmm. Now, um, some of those distractions are very useful. Uh, there's a lot of technology that we're very, very blessed to have as musicians that we can deploy, but there's, there's just so much competing for your attention that you sometimes lose the core of who you are what's important and some people get completely lost in that Mm -hmm. you don't have to go far you don't have to talk very much about you know the kind of disinformation and the kind of craziness that's been going on for for some time now Mm -hmm. to to just realize that you have to take a step back you have to get back to the core of what is 
important for you as an individual. And, you know, we talk about trusted sources in, in, in news and for information. And, you know, that comes right down to a personal level as well, that you have to have trusted sources in your life that are going to give you the feedback that is, is honest, or at least as honest as people are willing to be with you. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it was on our minds, but, uh, but I, I, I think it's only something that's deepened. So even though the album was delayed by COVID, uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's timely. What was there like a certain point in time where you guys, you know, felt, well, we need to use our platform to kind of talk about this or, you know, make, make it known that it's on our minds. I don't think it was a conscious thing. Okay. Uh, you know, in, in the lyrics, I, I do know that uh, in, in a lot of the lyrics that David was, was writing uh, as we were working on the album and as we were writing the record, that that theme sort of manifested itself fairly early on and kept carrying through it. But it, it wasn't, uh, there wasn't a, an aha moment or a eureka, like, hey, let's make the album about this. Right. It just happened to be where we were. And because of how we're writing now, um, you know, we'll get together we'll get together over the court. We're all in different cities now. Right. When we're, okay. You know, six, six people in a band, four different cities. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you get together, you got to make it, make the time count. Mm -hmm. So we write a lot faster than we used to. Okay. So condensing that down, you're going to, you're going to end up revisiting some of the same themes because you're, you're not the time that was between some of the writing sessions that we used to do and then coming, going out on tour and then coming back to the writing. Now it's some more of a, a process of let's get together, let's do this now, let's move on. Next weekend we'll do the same thing. Two weeks from now we'll be back. So, so tell me, tell me about that process a little bit. You're saying that six of you are in four different cities. Do you guys kind of come to come together with uh, a bunch of things you've each written, or do you kind of meet up and say, okay, let's start on this now? Um, how how does it work for you guys? It, it's it's both actually. Some okay. songs will come in relatively fully formed from from one place or another. Uh, inevitably, they'll get changed. Uh, I, I've often called our process uh, songwriting a meat grinder because mm -hmm. uh, you know nothing's sacred, nothing's safe. Right. We have an idea, but everybody's going to have their hands on it and their and their, and their brain on it. And they want to put their stamp on. It. Mm -hmm. um, so when we came in for this record. Um, this is our first record back with Jeff since, uh, since before the last record, Glory, Jeff Pierce, our bass player. So uh, everyone came in with various different ideas in various states of undress, if you will. Hmm. And over the course of, uh, over the course of uh, several weekends in Montreal, we, we wrote, we hammered the songs out. And, uh, you know, and, and then, uh, and then ultimately took them into the studio and talk. Very cool. Very cool. Um, tell me about actually specifically the song, the first single that came out was the song Tarantino. Yeah. Um, tell me the link between that and kind of the themes of the album. I mean, it seems like, I mean, Tarantino is a very specific reference. Um, so tell me the, tell me the link there to the album. Well, the, the link with the, that, that song, oddly enough, is one of the songs that inevitably during our process, we'll have one or two songs that we're writing that uh, will, they'll fall out of favor. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the ones that had fallen out of favor. Okay. It didn't really seem to fit the album sonically. It didn't really seem to fit the album necessarily thematically at the time, although it did have, have that element of um, consumption. 
yeah. in the case, uh, pairing it with the video is what really brought it home. Yeah. So that the was idea of becoming so addicted to some for some form of of changing yourself that mm-hmm. uh, you know that you go to great great lengths, which is not you know it's not unusual. Yeah. So it, oddly, it was one of the songs that didn't quite make it, but it, you know, happy it did. The the video itself was something I wanted to ask about because that was something that uh, I think uh, got a lot of people's attention because it was very kind of it was very jarring a very jarring video the animation style and the the theme of the video is quite obvious with the kind of facial reconstruction and uh, you know Botox City Silicon Valley type of theme. But tell me where the animation style came from, where you found, I'm not sure who, who worked on it, but where you uh, David Carlino Barlow was the, uh, was the name of the, uh, the, the uh, animation artist who put it together. David had come across it. Okay. And uh, he did kind of a rough edit at, rough edit at home uh, with the song to the track or with the video to the track. Mm-hmm. And we went, this is great. And then we went into a lot of navel gazing because it is, it's, it's a pretty, you know, it's pretty aggressive visually. Yes. And there were some concerns that it might be a wee bit too uh, over the top, which we didn't think so um, necessarily as a band, but we, you know, we, we questioned it. Um, so it was, it was just a matter of David coming across that video, okay. working with the artist to come up with a, uh, with a cut that worked for him. Yeah. And, uh, and, and getting him to sign off on it. And uh, and it just it just fit the idea of the album, and yeah. for I can say for a song that had fallen out of favor, it 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 you know it, it turned it, heads. I mean, it I mean, turned heads, and it and it also sort of foreshadowed with the rest of the record, right? And it was like it kind of put like the the headlines I kept reading. It was like Moist released new song with disturbing new video, and like <laughs> disturbing is all in the eye of the beholder, right? Right, I mean, of know. course, yeah. I, I don't particularly find it that disturbing. I think it's brilliant. I think the, I think the work that uh, that the artist did on it was fantastic. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, I mean, just out of kind of random question, do you have a favorite Tarantino film? Yes, I do. Uh, okay. And I'm going to space on the name of it. Um, oh, Inglorious Bastards. I think that's the same as same as mine. Same as mine. Yeah, and Glory, it's close for me between Inglorious Blasters and um, Django Unchained. I do like Django Unchained as well. Those ones are close, but I think Inglorious Bastards does take number one. Yeah. It's a very satisfying film. It is, it is. There is a lot of, I mean, so is actually, so is Django Unchained, but uh, yeah. Did you, actually, I did also like uh, his, that, the latest one he did, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I have yet to see it. Oh yeah, you got to watch that one. I've, I've been told. Yeah yeah um okay so another video that that spoke to me too was the the title track end of the ocean which uses footage from matteo guaza's 2009 film off world um that was shot in the smoky mountain landfill in manila was that a, a place that that uh you know had specific to your guys hearts or were you guys connected with guaza beforehand or how did how did you guys kind of come about that okay so we uh we found ourselves, as everybody did in the pandemic, not really being able to get together to work, not being able to get together to shoot a video. So the, the first video with, uh, for Tarantino with the animation was, was a great way to work that out. We were talking about the video for End of the Ocean 
whether we were going to use found footage, what we were going to do. And uh, some years ago, when the when the film was released, uh, David had actually done the uh, the narration for okay. the film. Uh, I had worked on some of the material. Some of the, I'm a freelance writer as well. I worked on some press materials for the film, and David and I were talking one morning, and I I said, you know, it's too bad we couldn't reach out and get uh, permission to use some of this footage. And again, we reached out. Director said, fine, all good. David cut the video together, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and we went from there. Very cool. So there wasn't a specific. Uh, tie in to the environment, but more th- the the visuals and what the film was overall about really fit in with the with the with the uh, feel of the album, the feel of the title track, and what the title track is. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, David has has spoken out about you know human desire as well. I read a, an interview that he had done uh, about the human desire to make money, and was talking about the most recent trend of NFTs. And I've spoken to a couple artists lately that have now released and have now released albums as NFTs um, as a way to they 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 now have complete ownership. Do you think that that is kind of a direction that the the music industry is is heading? Do you think it's a good direction? Um, Do you have any comment on that at all or? Well, there's an incredible amount of energy. One of the things that David mentioned is that there's an incredible amount of energy that that it takes uh, to. To, to create these things. Uh, is it the future? I don't know. Right. Um, you know, I really don't. The future, we're making the future up as we go along. Nobody could have told us back in the day that we would be where we are now mm-hmm. in terms of uh, a distribution model, in terms of uh, streaming services, none of that. So mm-hmm. I, I, have, I have no idea. It's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, I think the ability you know, it's, it's, it's a pull, it's a pull culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be able to go wherever I can to get whatever I want. And I, I personally, I don't, I don't, I don't find the idea of NFTs that compelling, but you know, that's me. It took me about 12 times looking it up before I even understood what it was, <laughs> but uh yeah, it is. And it's, it's developing kind of every day into what it can be. And it's, it is, it is interesting. I think it's one of those things that's going to take some time to get used to. Um, I remember I was saying this too. I remember a day where like, you know, my parents refused to get iTunes, you know, and now, <laughs> and now that's old news. Um, yeah. It's a, you can't, we can't predict where it's going to go. And, no. I mean, uh, for, for me personally, the, the ability to have everything in life on demand, we talk about distractions, but the ability to be able to, to sort of, you know, look around my house and ask she who shall not be named to play a song from Spotify, any song from any record. It, it's brilliant. You know, I, I love that, but I don't need to own as much. I feel yeah. because we have that access. Did you hear about this recent news about Neil Young's music being pulled off Spotify? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. There's a real interesting debate about that. Um, I mean, me and my girlfriend were talking about it this morning just because, I mean, where do you sit with, with Joe Rogan? He's allowed to, you know, there's freedom of speech. You're allowed to say what you want, but when you're in a position of power, do you really have the, you know, the right to preach kind of what he's preaching. You know, I've, I've always been, um, you know, I, I've always been a, a sort of your freedom to ends of my freedom from 
Okay. Um, Spotify is a private company. Yeah. It's kind of like Joe Rogan wouldn't have another platform if they, if they, uh, uh, you know, if they decided to take Joe Rogan off Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think for an artist of Neil Young's caliber to come out and visibility to come out and make that statement, uh, by t- saying, take my music off. I don't want to share, I don't want to share space with this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's face it. Most artists are, are not in a position where they can necessarily do that. Mm-hmm. I would like, I would love to see more people take that kind of principled stand. Mm-hmm. Leaving this aside, leaving, leaving Joe Rogan aside. I mean, look, I'm a science. Vaccines work. Mm-hmm. Masking helps. Yeah. You know, let's, you know, again, whenever someone says to me, but I've researched, I've done my own research. That phrase makes me just want to tear a hole in the wall with my yeah. hair. Facebook University. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Facebook University. This yeah. stuff is like, you are not, you know, you are, yeah. it's, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. What PhD taught you that? <laughs> I don't know what's in this. I don't know what's in this burger. You right. Know? <laughs> like I can guess. Yeah, I, yeah, you know, but I can't give you a molecular breakdown of what's in it. But I've done my research, and I think it's going to taste pretty. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. But it's an interesting it's an interesting conversation to have, and it is a, uh, a very powerful stance that that Neil Young took, um, and that Spotify chose to take, right? But I guess you know when there's a lot of dollars flying around, then <laughs> well, people choose uh, a lot. A lot of people have said over the past uh, number of years, critics and, and uh, some industry pundits that, are, that I read regularly, that, you know, that uh, the musicians aren't political. That they're not leading, uh, leading the culture the, the, the way they once did, which is, which is natural because there are so many other distractions. Yes. And the industry, industry has changed so much. Mm-hmm. And there's just simply more music. But for Neil Young to do that, I think, and, and you know, he's obviously an artist who's never been afraid of taking a stand. So. Yes, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Going back a few years to 2014, um, it was so great to get Moist back. You know, it had been something like 15 years, I want to say, between Mercedes Five and Dime and Glory. Yeah. Um, I was personally, I was obsessed with the song Black Roses. Um, it was on, it was on my workout playlist for like at least six months. <laughs> Man, you like the songs that don't that almost didn't make the record. Yeah, really. Okay. Okay. Another track that we we did some amazing I loved Black Rose, man. That made my every year I put out just for fun. I put out like my top songs of the year, and like that was right up there. <laughs> I think for us it was one every like I say every record. There's a song that falls out of favor, and without one, it came back, and it's become a staple in our live show. Oh, amazing! So tell me, tell me a little bit what the feeling was like for you personally um, to be getting the band back together at that time. Uh, it was. Uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was it was great. There's something about the the mix of personalities that we've had, mm-hmm. uh, writing for being on stage for just just the hang. We're all really good friends. So getting getting the band back together, playing the old songs, yeah, it was it was uh, it was pretty exciting. Uh, and we didn't, we had no thought that we, you know, it came up year after year after year and it, it just never came, came around and came to fruition. Um, you know, everybody was doing their own thing. Mark was producing records. Uh, uh, 
just playing with a bunch of people. I played with David Solo uh, gig for, for many, many years, you know, so we all, we, but we all continue to connect in various different ways. Was there, was there anyone in particular who initiated or said, Hey, let's, let's finally get this going again or. Yeah. David, actually, he, uh, uh, I don't remember the exact circumstances, but uh, he, he let everyone know that he would be open to it. And uh, we, like I say, it came up, it came up again, it came up again. And that time it actually stuck. So we got together, we discussed it and went, yeah, let's do this. So when you guys got back in the studio or the rehearsal space, was it like getting back on a bicycle or, you know, did you guys feel like you had to make up for missed time or what was the, what was the feeling in the room? Uh, when we were first rehearsing? Yeah. When you, when you guys kind of first all together got back together. You know, it didn't, it didn't feel like that much time had passed in <laughs> terms of the, I mean, we had to relearn some songs that we hadn't right. played in a long time. Yeah. A decade uh, later. But, uh, but it, it really didn't, it didn't feel that strange. We spent so much time together. We played so much together that, uh, um, and, and like I say, we, we all had friendships outside of the band that we, we, we saw each other regularly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was playing with David Solak. So, I mean, I was still, and Jeff was a part of that for a while as well. So, I, I mean, we were always together in one way. Yeah, crossing roads kind of thing. Yeah. 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 There was never a complete separation. There was never, there was nothing like, I can't stand you. I can't be around you. You know, there's none of that. No Gallagher brother kind of situation. No Gallagher. <laughs> no. Um, my all-time favorite Moist song is the song Tangerine. Um, but I've never, I've never fully understood the, the symbolism. Um, I've always kind of put together that it's about some kind of killing or murder. Um, tell, tell me, tell me a little bit more about that song. Cause I've always been very curious. Well, okay. So you're asking me to, to put a meaning. I think that song means a lot of different things to a lot of different yeah, which, which most songs do. Which most songs do. And, uh, you know, as for what that song specifically is about, mm-hmm. I have no idea. <laughs> I do know, partly because it, it, a conversation about what Tangerine is about would have been something that we would have had back in the day. Yeah. It would have been just blown out of our minds by all the other stuff. But, uh, you know, for me, uh, that, that song is, 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 for me personally, Mm-hmm. Uh, that song is about coping with with uh, with feeling captive. Okay, whether that's by your life, whether that's in your life, whether that's uh, you know in a relationship. Um, it's uh, it, that basically you are in a bad place and uh, you just can't find your way clear. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Always, I always thought it was one of, or it could be more. Right, that's why I was. I was. I always got the fun of it was like, a, uh, I don't know, like a, it was a murderer's way of of hiding. I don't. I don't know. I was always trying to put it together, and uh, like you said, I never had any idea. But uh, but it was always to did, me one of the. Did the video make? Did the video kind of bring that up for you as well? You I got the yeah. I definitely got that feel from the video as well, because the reference to the video would have been, "Hey, you remember that movie Seven, right?" Yeah. So, you know, sometimes it's interesting because the videos sometimes put a completely different, uh, you know, a, a, a different template over the video, yeah. over that song. You know, it's like, it's not about this, but this video director felt it was kind of 
brought up images like this. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It adds life to the song. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, and there's, I think there's like a scene in the video where someone's being put be below floorboards even. And yeah. And so maybe that is, maybe that was the direct connection I had. It, it, might, it was the nineties. I mean, I mean honestly, <laughs> it was the nineties. I was a keyboard player. Maybe they were putting me below the stage. I don't yeah. know. Man. I don't Speaking know. of, of seven, there was, um, probably one of the times I felt the most old was I had my younger cousins over recently and we were playing some kind of trivia game. And one of the questions was like Kevin Spacey's younger brother was a blank um, impressionist. And the right answer was Rod Stewart. And one of the options was Sean Connery. And one of my cousins says, well, that's not fair. I don't know who any of those people are. <laughs> 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 see at that point i would have said well you need to pick up your game a little bit son yeah i was you, like come on seven you know like <laughs> yeah i didn't well, want maybe you don't want to be a kevin spacey fan these days but you should watch seven and usual suspects <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah uh along favorite moist songs what are a couple of your favorite moist songs to play live you know, I'm gonna uh, most recently, uh, most recently, pandemic, one gig in two years. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, since we got back together and since we released Glory, I have to say, uh, Black Roses is one of my favorite ones. Really? Okay. Very cool. It's it, we feel like as much as we, we, I think we felt we nailed it on the record, but the way we do it live with a big drum solo from from mm -hmm. Francis and all that, it's just it's just a big moment in the set. And, and generally the songs that I like the most are the ones that feel mm -hmm. the best live. It's a, it's a big moment song to me. That's, I mean, that's why I said, I, I always had it on my workout playlist because it's got this big buildup. It's got this powerful chorus and um, it's a powerful song. Like, and it, you know, I think if you were to mix it in there with any of Moist songs from the '90s, no one would, no one would ever tell the difference. I appreciate that. That's that's nice to hear. And I, and, and maybe that was one of the reasons we were second guessing it. Maybe maybe we felt it was too familiar. But mm -hmm. yeah, I look back and I think of other songs that that have that kind of uh, dramatic feel to them. Into everything is a, is a song I've always mm -hmm. loved playing live, and it's one of the songs that you know I'm not one of the I, I don't listen to our music very much. Um, okay i you know once we do an album it has a live life and i don't i don't spend a lot of time with it mm. except to figure out what i need to do for the show and that, right um and program and whatnot but uh but there are some songs in the everything being one of them that uh it will be one of the songs that if it comes up on a playlist i'll, I'll just and i'm happen to be listening to it mm. I, won't, I won't skip it i'll go oh i, I like that yeah. i like that band <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> is there? Do you guys have any word on on playing live again? I know you guys. You guys had very unfortunate timing. Was I think you postponed that tour? I think it was with the Headstones and the Teapot. Yeah. Um, and there was even a window where there was live music for a few months. And um, any any word on 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 future plans? Or we are looking at at, at festival gigs for the summer. Right at the moment. Okay. Uh, we're looking forward from there. We don't know exactly what, it, what it's going to look like. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, poor timing. We would have loved to have done that tour. Uh, yeah. We played with all those bands a variety of times over the past. It would have been a lot of fun. 
I think yeah. it would have been a lot of fun for the people to come see the show. Of course, man, a killer lineup. Yeah. You know, I would have, I would have gotten to sit beside the stage and watch Burroughs drum every night, which mm -hmm. uh, is always fascinating to me because yeah. he's just such a killer player. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So uh, right now the plan is hopefully we'll be, we'll be, uh, we'll be up and running again. Hopefully by the summer. Going well, uh, Kevin. Before I let you go, I want to ask about those photos behind you. Are there, is that some of where where are those photos from? Oh, uh, okay. Uh, well, that that photo of the seagull actually got repurposed for the album. Okay. Uh, and uh, they're just I'm in my uh, in my workspace. I have a bunch of photos I've taken when I've traveled. Or those are ones you've taken. Yeah, yeah. So I, I decided to do a bunch of black white black and white photos in here. The room. And uh, one of those is the, one of them of the road up there is I call the day we almost died uh, because it was taken during a, a David uh, solo tour. It was a trio gig, and uh, yeah, it was winter, and the van went sideways, and we didn't have an accident, but uh, but you know, it was a it was a near thing. So. Very close too, eh? And you got you, but you managed to still snap that photo. I did. I did. I, you know, I'm not a photographer by any stretch of the imagination, but I, you know, I, I like to travel and I, I like to be able to revisit the memories of something, mm -hmm. you know, either in a visual way or in some kind of tactile way. Yeah. So, you know, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm old and, uh, and senile, <laughs> You know, someone might show me a picture. Say, so you did this. <laughs> yeah. And I might, you know, I might look at the day we almost died and go, that bastard, he almost killed us. <laughs> so what do you, what do you, uh, I'm the same way. What do you, what do you shoot with? I just have a Canon uh, DSLR that I use. Oh, yeah. um, and, uh, uh, but I also, you know, obviously I also shoot with my phone. <laughs> yeah. You know, it just depends uh, what's there. I'm not. Uh, I did know that you were a photographer and I, I'm like I say, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I'm an enthusiast and I was, I was happy to get uh, a couple of, uh, a couple of my shots on, mm. on the, you know, on the, on the record uh, package this time. Out, so. Very cool. Very cool. I have photographed moist once actually. Whereabouts? I think it was at the Danforth music hall. I think really? it, on the, it must've been the glory tour. Yeah. I would like to see those photos. Yeah, there is. I was I was still pretty green at the time because I think I started doing that around 2012, 2013. Um, but yeah, I will. I will make sure you I'll, I'll tag you. Well, or I'll, what, do you, what do you shoot with? Do you have? Uh... Well, at the time, I was still on my first my first quote unquote professional camera. I was shooting with a Canon 60D at the time. Okay. And then a couple of years ago, I, I made the upgrade to the 5D. Right. And uh, that's what I shoot with now. So um Maybe if that tour does happen, then uh, I'll be back in front of the band again. <laughs> you shoot a lot of live things? That's my favorite thing to shoot. Um, I mean, as a music lover and a photography lover, it's like the greatest thing and it's like the biggest rush you can get. Um, you know what I never understand? It's the first three songs rule. I get it from the musician's point of view that you mm -hmm. don't want necessarily, uh, you know, people in the, in, the, uh, in the area if there happens to be an area between you and the crowd. Yeah, but all the good shots inhabit the area after those three songs. After, yeah. right? Well, that also is sometimes the way the band plans it, right? So I've heard but about it always, it's often the band. It's the band first three songs only. And I'm like, no, 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 leave, 
someone there so they can get the good shots that are going to come later. Sometimes sometimes bands have their own photographer who will do that, who shoot for kind of the whole show. But as far as I guess the local photographers, yeah, the first three. Yeah. But I've heard about guys I've heard, like Marilyn Manson does one song and then he smokes you out on that one song. <laughs> like that, but yeah. So my most, my most uh, embarrassing moment was I shot kiss once and kiss gives you two songs. Yeah. One. Oh, from, I'm not wearing a kiss shirt. I'm wearing it. Anyway, go on. <laughs> kiss, give you, kiss gives you one song from the soundboard, one song from the pit, but you've got to make your own way like through the crowd in between. And I remember I slipped on the, like the, the rail going into the pit and split my pants going into, and I rode the subway home with a giant hole in my shorts. It was in the summer. So yeah, I rode, <laughs> took the subway home with a hole in my shorts. We yeah. actually opened for Kiss once. Did you? Uh, out in, uh, out in West, I want to say Calgary or Edmonton or something like that. It was, uh, it was a lot of fire. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's... <laughs> I, when I was a kid, I was, you know, I was a huge Kiss fan. Yeah, and, it's a show. It's a, you know, it's Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, I, yeah, that was the one thing. The first time the first time you see Kiss, it's like, this is unbelievable. Then it's like, the second time you see Kiss, you're like, oh, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 had, I would have loved to have seen Kiss back in the day. I mean, there are so many bands that I would have loved to have gone back and seen back in the day mm-hmm. uh, but uh but you know that, that when i did finally see them i think it was uh i think it was in montreal in the 90s when they psycho circus i want to say oh yeah that was like their comeback album was it not it was yeah it was. early 2000s or something that was actually the first time i had heard of kiss i think and actually we strange enough it was the first time i'd heard of kiss and it was that was it psycho circus was coming out and to promote it, they did like a cameo appearance on that show, Ally McBeal, which my parents watched. <laughs> and uh, I was like, what band is this? Because I was like, I must have been like 10 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My parents were watching. I was like, what band is this? They're super cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it definitely, definitely have a time. And- yeah. Well, actually, too, um, it's one of my friends. Or one of the stories my friends bugged me the most about. But on that, that day I shot Kiss, I also caught paul stanley's guitar pick and but i was shooting and i only had one song to shoot and i didn't want to fiddle with my pockets and i put the pick in my mouth and later realized it was the one that he sticks on his tongue and then spits out and i realized i had paul stanley's mouth pick in also in my mouth that just makes the story that much better that's it it was my birthday that day actually and i went out later for my birthday and people were like you made out with paul stanley on your birthday Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Anyways, Kevin, I think I've uh, I think I've run more than the time I was supposed to with you. Yeah, it could have been my fault too. No, that's all good. That's all good. But thank you for jumping on and and congrats on the new album. And um I hope to see you guys in the summer and then maybe we can do this again in person. Would love to. Take awesome. care. Thanks so much, Alan. Thanks, have Kevin. All right, man. Get out of that snowbank. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Uh
Adamantium. Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcast. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.